We're going to have our Bible reading now. So if you're with kids at home and you like to hit pause and go and find the kids' material and enjoy doing that together, now might be a good time to do that. But if you're staying with us, then do grab a Bible, turn back to Ephesians, and we're in Ephesians chapter 3, verses 1 to 11. And Lebanon is going to read that for us now. Ephesians 3, verses 1 through to 13. For this reason I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles. Surely you have heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you. That is the mystery made known to me by revelation, as I have already written briefly. In reading this, then you'll be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ which was not made known to people in other generations, as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to God's holy apostles and prophets. This mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs, together with Israel, members together of one body, and sharers together in the promise in Christ Jesus. I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. Although I am less than the least of all the Lord's people, this grace was given me to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery, which for ages past was kept hidden in God, who created all things. His intention was that now, through the the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms, according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. In him and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. I ask you, therefore, not to be discouraged because of my suffering for you, which are your glory. Oh, sorry, you're live. Let's pray together as we come to God's word. Our loving Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are a speaking God. I thank you that you speak to us wherever we are, whatever we're doing. And so thank you now that we have a chance to hear you speak. Father, please help us to listen. uh, Help us to see Jesus clearly as we spend time in your word this morning. And we ask it in his name. Amen. Well, I wonder if you've ever felt discouraged in the Christian life. If you've ever thought, this is not what I thought being a Christian would feel like. This is not how I thought it would it would work out. I guess we've all felt discouraged at times, and often those times are when we go through suffering or, or trial. When we or, or someone close to us suffers, we can wonder, what is God doing? What's he up to? Why is he letting this happen? Has he lost control? Suffering can cause us to feel discouraged, to to lose heart. And I imagine actually that's a bit of what the Ephesian Christians were thinking as Paul writes to them. If you've been with us over the past few weeks, like, like I said earlier on, we've been looking at this letter to the Ephesians. And in it, Paul, the author, has been saying some some pretty big, pretty amazing things. He's spoken about God's plan, his plan to unite all things together under Christ. 
where he's spoken about God's power, this power that can raise dead people back to life. The power that can bring people who are once enemies and unite them together in love for each other. Unite them in Christ. Paul has spoken about some, some pretty big, pretty amazing things. And you can imagine, can't you, the, the Ephesian Christians hearing Paul's words, hearing those things read out at church that morning. Hearing what Paul has to say, but then looking out of the window and thinking... Yeah, but Paul, it just doesn't seem to be working. It sounds great, but, but just look. Is it really happening? Is it really working? Compared to the, the might of the Roman Empire, compared to the power of those pagan temples, the church just feels small. It feels weak, insignificant, pathetic. What are we doing here? And do you know what, Paul? Actually, we're getting quite a hard time for following Jesus. There have been riots in Ephesus and uh, Christians have been beaten. And well, the emperor, he, he likes to torture Christians for fun. It isn't easy being a follower of Jesus. And then there's you, Paul. Then there's you, uh, stuck in prison, uh, waiting for an execution date. And so you can see, can't you, how the Ephesians might have heard what Paul has to say, but then thought about their own suffering, thought about Paul's suffering, and just been left feeling discouraged. You can see how easy it would have been for them to, to lose heart. Uh, maybe the same is true for you this morning. Maybe you can't help but think it would just be easier. Life would just be a bit better if I didn't have to follow Jesus. Uh, maybe you've been listening to what Paul has been saying in Ephesians and you think it sounds great but then you turn on your phone or your TV and you can't help feeling discouraged. Well in our passage this morning Paul says to the Ephesians and he says to us don't be, don't be discouraged, don't lose heart. That, that's where he ends our section. Look at verse 13 with me. Verse 13, he says, I ask you, therefore, not to be discouraged because of my sufferings for you, which are your glory. Paul says to the Ephesians, I, I know things look bad on the surface. I know this doesn't seem great, you know, me stuck here in prison. But don't be discouraged. Don't lose heart. And he gives two big reasons. Two reasons not to be discouraged. And that's what we're going to spend our time looking at this morning. So the first is, don't be discouraged because you know God's plan. Look at verse 2 with me. Paul says, surely you've heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you. That is the mystery made known to me by revelation, as I've already written briefly. In reading this then, you'll be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to the people in other generations, as it has now been, re been revealed by the Spirit to God's holy apostles and prophets. Paul reminds the Ephesians of what he's said in his letter so far. And he says, you know, I know it's just been brief. I haven't spent long talking about it. But what I've been saying is absolutely amazing. It is unlike anything you've ever heard. He says you couldn't, you couldn't make this stuff up. 
No philosopher or teacher, no rabbi or sage could have come up with these things. They're not man's best thoughts. They're not ideas I've had to kind of get this new religious sect up and running. No, the things that I've been talking about, says Paul, are a mystery only God could reveal. And so they haven't come out of my head. No, they've come directly from God. And what is that mystery that Paul is talking about? What is it that God has revealed to him that he now writes to the Ephesians? It's there in verse 6 for us. The mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body and sharers together in the promise in Christ Jesus. This is the mystery, says Paul. This is God's plan. Revealed to me for you. That by God's grace, anyone, whether Jew or Gentile, can be sharers together in God's promise. And so it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter where you're from. It doesn't matter what culture you grew up in or what background you have. Paul says the greatest mystery, the great mystery that's now been revealed is that Jew and Gentile alike can have access to God through Christ. And the reason Paul can say something like this to the Ephesians is it's something that he's experienced himself. If you know that we meet Paul, first of all, in the book of Acts. And when we meet him, he's got one mission, one aim, one purpose in life. And that is to stamp out Christianity. Paul spent every waking hour searching for, arresting and killing Christians. But then right in the middle of Paul's plan to put an end to the church, God bursts onto the scene and reveals his plan to build the church. It's on the road to Damascus that Paul the persecutor is dramatically changed by God. His eyes are opened to the gospel of God's grace. And so Paul goes from being dead in sin to alive in Christ. Paul, the Pharisee of all Pharisees, says in verse 7, I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. By God's grace and in God's power, Paul came to see that for for all of his religious zeal, all of his Jewish heritage, he was still hopeless before God. He was dead. And the only way to life, it wasn't through religious works, it wasn't through his ancestry. No, the only way to life was by God's grace given in his son Jesus. And then having received that grace himself, having been brought to new life and shown God's marvellous plan for his people, what does Paul do next? Verse 8, he says, Although I am less than the least of all the Lord's people, this grace was given me to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery, which for ages past was kept hidden in God, who created all things. The mystery that was made known to Paul, he now proclaims to others. 
The man who once tried to stamp out the gospel now lives his life to preach it. And did you see who he preaches it to? Look at verse 8 again. He says, this grace was given me to preach to the Gentiles. To those who, as we saw last week in chapter 2, were once a million miles away from a relationship with God. Those who had none of the promises, none of the heritage that Paul once thought so much of. To the people who Paul would have once had absolutely nothing to do with. The people he would have crossed over to the other side of the street just to avoid. Those people, Paul now says, come. Come and receive the abundant blessing, the boundless riches of Christ. Come and be part of the promises of God, the promises that he made way back in Genesis 12, the promises to Abraham, the promise of, to, to bring together a people from all nations, to bless them and to be in a relationship with them, to be their God. Because of Christ, Paul says, you can now be part of those promises. You can be included together as the people of God, one body. And so right at this point, let me just say to you, if you're not a Christian this morning, if you wouldn't call yourself a Christian, then what Paul is saying here is really important for you. Because maybe you've always looked at Christians and, and really just thought about how different they are from you. That it seems like you, you have to behave a certain way or, or have a certain background to, to be allowed into the club. Maybe you've had to have the right upbringing or wear the right clothes if you're going to be accepted into the church. But I hope you can see that Paul says, no, no, that's not the case. The church is not like some sort of exclusive golf club. You don't have to be a certain type of person to be allowed in. No, the gospel says all may come in. All may come in. The good news of the Bible is that all who put their trust in Jesus can receive the boundless riches of Christ. Because of Jesus' death on the cross, you and I can come to him and receive forgiveness. Forgiveness for our sin. We can receive new life as one of God's people, as part of his family, part of his body, part of his church. And so Paul says that is, that is the mystery. That's the plan that's been revealed to me and I now preach, proclaim to you. And so he says, don't be discouraged. Don't be discouraged. Yes, yes, I'm in prison. Yes, I'm suffering. But remember what I'm suffering for. He says, I'm suffering because of God's plan. I'm suffering because God, in his amazing power and grace, has turned me, Paul, from a persecutor of Christ to a prisoner of for Christ. That's what he says right back in verse 1, isn't it? He's not a prisoner of Rome. He's not a prisoner of Caesar. He's a prisoner of Jesus. You see, Paul knows who's in control. He knows God's plan. And he's convinced that no ruler, no army, no earthly power can put a stop to it. And so whether he's in prison or he's walking the streets of Ephesus... Paul knows that God will and is building his church. And so he says to the Ephesians, don't be discouraged. 
Don't be discouraged. Nothing can stop God's plan. And you know, the same is still true today. A coronavirus cannot stop God's plan. Lockdown cannot stop people coming to Jesus and receiving life in him. God's plan is to create one new humanity. A humanity united in his son and a humanity that is given the boundless riches of Christ. That's his plan. That is what he is doing. And no amount of suffering, whether through persecution or through illness, can stop God's plan. So don't be discouraged, says Paul. You know God's plan. And secondly, don't be discouraged because you know God's purpose. One of the big questions people often ask at some point in their life is, what am I here for? What is my purpose? And we can answer that in all sorts of ways, can't we? For some, it will be achievement or career. For others, it'll be family or relationships. For others, it'll be improving society or protecting the planet. And so whether it's Extinction Rebellion or Brexit or the NHS, all of us want purpose in life. All of us need purpose, a reason to get up each morning. Uh, We've already seen, haven't we, that Paul is a man who understood his purpose. Just listen to how he describes his purpose in Acts chapter 20. He says, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me. The task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. Paul knew his God-given purpose. That was to preach the gospel, whatever the cost. And here in Ephesians 3, in verse 10, he shows how that purpose fits within God's big purpose for the church. Just look at verse 10 with me. His intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms, according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Do you see what Paul is saying? He says, as he preaches the gospel, God builds his church. As people respond to the good news of Christ, they are brought into this new humanity, this household of God that we saw in chapter 2. And the reason God builds his church, the purpose he has in doing that, the purpose of the church's existence is to display his manifold wisdom to the watching world. And so the church is a bit like God's trophy cabinet. It's the display of his glory, his wisdom and his grace. And did you notice that the display is not just uh, for people? Paul says it's for the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. Those evil powers that we thought about back in chapter one, Satan and his demons. Those powers that are are completely opposed to God, opposed to all that he is doing. But Paul says when those powers look at the church, when they see little old Ephesus Evangelical Church or little old CEC, they are blown away. 
As one person put it, every local church is a bit like one of those open-top bus tours you get when a, a sports team wins a tournament. They drive through the streets, through the crowds, declaring their victory. They've won. They're the best. There is no one greater than them. And Paul says every church, however small, however insignificant it might seem, declares God's victory. Every church declares, as we saw in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 10, that God is bringing all things together under Christ. Every church declares that whoever we are, wherever we're from, whether Jew or Gentile, black or white, male or female, academic or sporty, confident or shy, well-mannered or rough around the edges, whoever we are, wherever we're from, verse 12, in Christ and through faith in him, we can approach God with freedom and confidence. The church declares the gospel. It declares that anyone can receive forgiveness and life in Jesus. But even more than that, because of Christ, all these different people, they're united together as one body under Christ for all eternity. And it's in that collection of entirely different people united together in Christ that Paul says God's manifold wisdom is displayed. One writer puts it like this. They said the universe is the cosmic stage for the glory of Jesus. And the church is like the leading lady. There isn't a community in the world like her. The curtain remains open on the church so that the evil powers tremble as they see how the gospel of Jesus Christ turns spiritual zombies into unity-loving, harmony-seeking, cross-centred churches. And so Paul says to the Ephesian church, this is your purpose. This is what you've been brought together for, to display God's glorious wisdom in the gospel. And so when you show up to Ephesus Evangelical Church each week, when you love your brothers and sisters in Christ, even the ones that are completely different from you, when you serve your brothers and sisters, even when it's hard, even when it costs you, when you speak of Jesus, even when you face opposition for doing so, when you do those things together, Paul says you display God's wisdom to the world. And so, verse 13, don't be discouraged. Don't be discouraged, Ephesians. Look beyond my prison cell. Look beyond your own suffering and see the glorious reality of what it's achieving. God is building his church. That's his plan. And nothing is going to get in his way. And through that church, through that building project, he displays his glory. That's your purpose. It's what you're here for. So don't be discouraged. And we can pray, can't we, that, that God would help us to know these things this week. That as we log on to another Zoom life group, as we pick up the phone to, to encourage a brother or sister in Christ, as we do some shopping for one of them, as we sacrifice our time and our energy for others, 
as we love one another in Christ, let's pray we would remember that we are displaying God's wisdom, his incomparable, boundless, abundant, manifold wisdom to the world. Let's pray that CEC would together proclaim the wisdom of the gospel, the new life that people can have in Christ and how they can be part of his family. Let's pray for those things now. Our loving and gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for what you have made us. Father, we thank you for how we've seen in Ephesians over the past few weeks that we were once dead, once hopeless, once without the promises, once without life. But by your grace and mercy, by your power, and in your Son, the Lord Jesus, you have brought us to new life. You have made us your people united together in Christ. And in doing so, Father, you display your wisdom, your glory to the world. Father, please help us to shine for you this week, to show your wisdom and glory to the people that we meet. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.